Hello everybody and welcome to She Talks Tech, where I profile women in technology and STEM careers. My aim is to elevate and amplify their stories and inspire more women to join this field. Through detailed interviews with successful women in technology and STEM, I explore their career paths, challenges, successes, and advice for aspiring professionals. Join me as I celebrate the achievement of women in technology and STEM and discover the diverse and exciting opportunities available in this field. In today's episode, we'll take a deep dive into my experience in this tech industry and explore my passion for this dynamic field. We'll discover the obstacles I've faced and how I've overcame them to become the successful woman that I am and the successful professional that I am. Yes, I've called it. We'll also explore my vision for this podcast and my goals for inspiring the next generation of women in technology and STEM. So sit back, relax, and join us as we celebrate my achievements today and explore the exciting world of technology and STEM. Hello from sunny South Africa. My name is Lobacha Madise, an advocate for women in STEM. I work in the Azure Business Group team at Microsoft in the Middle East and Africa region as an Azure go-to-market manager for the developer audience. Today, I am at She Talks Tech podcast founded by Shilani Baloyi, and I actually have the pleasure of interviewing her as the first guest on her own show. So welcome, Shilani. Thank you so much, Lebo. Thank you for this gesture and your time and like giving yourself over to the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. So for the millions who are listening to this, before we get into the details of She Talks Tech, may you briefly just introduce yourself. Okay. So I am Shilani Baloyi from South Africa. I currently am residing in Austria. So I currently work as a software engineer for a healthcare company. And this role entails me waking up every day and being a software developer, coding and building healthcare tools. Before this experience, I worked for another company here in Austria called BOC Group. We mostly uh, sold business process management software. So that's what the company does. And I worked every day in terms of making sure that resources are maintained and customized. So if a customer comes and wants to get any sort of customization for the platform that we have developed, that's what I would do. Prior that experience, I worked for McKinsey as a, a digital analyst. And this experience was a mostly consultant with banking. So I did banking, I did insurance, I did a bit of education and retail, and a little bit of e-commerce, which was, I guess, a wide range of multiple experiences within the consulting wow. space. All this industry experience that you have across banking and the likes, was it at McKinsey or are you just referring to different industries across your career journey? This was McKinsey. Oh, nice. That is amazing. That is amazing. I mean, not everyone gets an opportunity to work across multiple industries without having to leave their organization. That's something that I also admire around the organization that I work for, that their solutions are tapped into multiple industries. So I'm amazed. I mean, today you are in the health tech sector, which is far from where the fintech industry is. Yeah. So my question then is, Tulani, 
I know we go into the details of your career journey and everything, yeah. but I really just want to tap into this cross industry experience that you now have today. It reminded me of the words that were said by Sachar Adela, who's the CEO of Microsoft. He yeah. said in 2030, there mm. won't be such a thing as the tech industry because yeah. technology will be embedded in every industry, right? Yeah. Meaning you could go work for the Dallas like you do today, which is a healthcare company, and bring on your software engineering skills and actually be able to contribute into that sector. So yeah. for someone today who's considering a career in tech or who is currently a software developer, maybe in a software dev house, looking to be challenged, how do you encourage them to go about marrying whatever talent that they have outside of yeah. tech? and building their career with it. For example, if you're telling me that, hey, you have all this fintech experience, in my head, I'm like, wow, maybe Kulani did accounting in, in high school or maybe in yeah. her undergrad studies, or did you go for a short course when you were at McKenzie? Yeah, I mean, that's a very big one. So what happens with consulting, and one thing that I really embrace with consulting is the idea that you get to or rather define what your career should be and you'd want to have it. As far as I am concerned with my consulting experience, I got to choose that this is the space that I'm in. And going back to what you've mentioned with the idea that every industry has a bit of tech in it, or at least most industries have a bit of tech in it. And this is like something that is we get to see today. We've seen in 2020 when the pandemic hit and people mm -hmm. needed to work from home and anything. And then yeah. some people realized how we needed to digitize our spaces. We mm -hmm. saw like growth in terms of e-commerce in many other parts of the world. And this is just a testament of how tech is very instrumental in every space that you find yourself in. For the longest time, I got to be privileged to be working in this like wider industries. And more than anything, for a very long time, I really, really enjoyed and loved the finance space because mm. of how diverse it is. I think mm. banking is just like one of the, the industries that I enjoy where I am right now. But if I had an opportunity to also still go back, I wouldn't flinch because mm. it's like one of the exciting spaces that has a lot of learning in it as well. So because of that, you get to really grow an everyday. So for someone who finds themselves interested in a certain industry, I definitely still encourage that you can find yourself in tech playing a role, sometimes not even a technical role within a tech space, because tech is not just coding and tech is not about robots. We are seeing growth in AI today. <laughs> It's not yeah. just that there is more in tech that you can actually play out and be part of. Okay, thank you for that. And I really apologize for digressing from that story you were telling us around yeah. how your career began. Perhaps we can then pick it up by introducing She Talks Tech. This is your baby. So for anyone tuning into this for the first time, what should they expect out of the podcast? What is the goal? And why did you believe that this was a missing gap today in the current space that we find ourselves? And by space, I mean, with all the digital content that exists today, yeah. what yeah. is it that you're trying to bridge in terms of the gap? Yeah, perhaps this would be great if I would somehow 
bring a bit of a story, like a backstory sure. before she talks tech. So part of my career and part of how my career started includes having started in a startup company, volunteering, and how that came about was really just like attending an event or missing out on an event and then inquiring, then the founder, then inviting me to come and be a volunteer for their startup company. And this company is Geek Culture. So in that experience of being in Geek Culture, I did find out and realize that there was a gap in the market. There was a gap between male and female within the tech space. And you see this when you attend a lot of events, which is what the company did for me. I attended a lot of hackathons, a lot of events, and this altogether highlighted the lack and a gap in the market. And this gap was just the fact that there was just no woman. You just wouldn't find them. And it was a bit of a culture shock because I was still straight up from university. And in university, you had a lot of my peers and my classmates were women, most of them. So there was no gap there. And then the question now was, where are the women? What is happening? Where do they drop off and what's the process? And through that experience, I then went as far as trying to research and figure out if there is organization that does the same, have a lot of women in them, and also trying to ask the questions and, and answer maybe the questions around where are these women. And I found a few of them. One of them is Girl Rising. And Girl Rising was not necessarily just for tech and was not necessarily tech-based was more on just elevating education and telling the story. So they use the idea of storytelling to actually like just bring about education and believes that if you educate a girl, you change the world. And we realize that there's actually that gap. And what Girl Rising would then do would be, hey, identify your community, study your community and figure out what is lacking there. And in that process of really figuring out you would then come up with something or some solutions that is your community base that's specifically tailored for your community. And because I was just in that quest still, I went and was, hey, I'm going to start this Girls in ICT. I'm just going to try and invite few girls. And this is when this, this organization at, at the time was Girls in ICT. I think we met there with you, Lewe. I don't remember, but maybe we did. <laughs> and then also it then rebranded and went to, to be like, it's, it's, um, which at this point, unfortunately, it's not really that active, but I still since continued to actually just try to grow within the space. And the process I met a lot of women, but even when you move around today, you don't really find many women. And this is when she talks texts come in because I would like to tell as much of text stories from women in their voices. So I would like to hear from them and highlight their stories. And this would be two-sided. There's two sides to this. One is the fact that maybe they will have some time to really reflect and realize that what they do matter. And mm. on the other side, we would have the people and the girls who are like me at the time, maybe my 22-year-old self who actually didn't know and couldn't identify with the spaces that I find myself in. Maybe some of them would be listening and then would be able to learn something from this woman who will come into this platform. So mm. the main idea is to really profile as many tech women in technology and women in STEM. But right yeah. now, 
just highlighting and elevating their stories and making sure that their stories don't die somewhere is because it deserves to be told. So that is just generally where I am looking at as far as she talked tag is concerned. Nice. And you're one of those women, right? So what a lot of people don't know is you're born and bred in South Africa. Yep. Today you're living in Austria. Every kid's dream, right? To be able to experience what living and working abroad is like. Can you maybe share with us? So we've we've heard about you doing consulting at, at McKenzie. We've heard about you doing an internship at Geek Culture. But yeah. how did you then land Go Austria? And I think that's yeah. also not your first international gig, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, because I mean, today, a lot of the people who are exposed to Africans who are abroad, it's mainly in careers outside of tech. And if it is in careers in tech, it's normally not South Africans. It's usually people from North and East and West Africa, right? Mm. So South Africans are still learning as to, okay, should they move abroad? And if so, what are the gateways of doing so? So especially for a young professional like yourself, yeah. how did that come about? Another backstory. One of the companies that I didn't mention that I work for is IBM. And I joined IBM as a graduate. And after two years of reflection, I literally was like, I was 25 by then. By 25, I need to, I want to move. I want to move abroad. And I wanted to move to London at the time. I don't know why London, mm. maybe colonization has anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I literally was very fixed. I'm going to move to London and somehow went and I had top four companies that I wanted to apply to. Mm -hmm. So I applied to Facebook. They didn't respond. I applied to Google. They actually did respond and we did interviews. Was unsuccessful. I applied to TeamViewer. This one actually still shocks me today because I don't know why. Yeah. And I also applied with McKenzie and then McKenzie came back and they were like, hey, we don't have a role for you in London, but there's something for you in South Africa. Would you still be willing to, to interview? So I was like, well, it's, it's the firm. I'm, I'm still okay to, to like really interview mm -hmm. with them. So we did the interview and it was really successful. I got to the firm and in the process of that, for me, back to your question now, I just wanted to lay the foundation. For me, yeah. it's like really just the idea that everyone should know that if you want to travel abroad, there is opportunity to travel abroad. You firstly just need to want to do it. Yeah. And then wanting to do it means that you would actually then go as far as figuring out, okay, I'm going to move to Austria. What are the immigration rules as far as Austria is concerned? What kind of skills does Austria require as far as someone who's moving in as a skilled worker? something like that. My situation was a little different because someone reached out, a recruiter reached out and they were like, hey, we have opportunities. Would you be willing to... Was it LinkedIn, Twitter? Uh, Where did they reach out? It was actually a mutual friend. So they were actually okay. like sent by a mutual friend who referred them. So it was more a referral, basically. Yeah. And then when they reached out, I was actually really not taking it that serious because I was at the time not necessarily at home. I was living in Mexico as well, living my best life in Mexico. This guy yeah. is reaching out. I was like, yeah, well, let's just talk and everything. But I didn't really put much thought into it until the very end when we were doing the last interview and then there was offers coming. Like, oh, okay, this is serious. Yeah. So 
for me, moving was a joke until the very end. Wow. The end, okay. Yeah. Okay. Now you are actually living and you are about to uproot your life to a new country. Yeah. Different this time because although I had lived in other parts of the world, I mm -hmm. was going there in the account of the company I was working for at the time. Everything of me was kind of taken care of, accommodation. Yeah. My life there was taken care of. But right yeah. now it was different because I am moving into a new country. I have to start off my new company myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it was just like that kind of a different dynamic. And I think... Mm -hmm. The top two things that are very necessary for someone to actually move abroad and know that it's possible to move abroad is firstly to just make sure that their portfolio is ready. And the next thing mm. is just really knowing where exactly you would want to move and the willingness to actually just want to move abroad in general. Yeah. Because a lot of people look at the idea of just moving your life and uprooting your life from where it is to a new place to be something very daunting and something very impossible. And it, sometimes it doesn't even take a lot, especially when you are in tech, because um, most of the technical skills are in demand. And mm. many companies, Austria, for example, in short of the work and this shortage in terms of, I mean, I could name few companies that are really, really in search for skills and everything. So it's just mostly mm. the to want to do it yeah so for people who are listening to this and are probably going to reach out to you after this yeah. are you open to referring them to those companies that have skills shortages the reason i mention it is because right now as you know in south africa there's a high youth unemployment rate yeah. so high especially constituting of young graduates as well yeah. you know yeah. so i'm just thinking about a young girl who's probably watching this inspired by you wanting to take that action. Yeah. Can they reach out to you or what do you advise? Should they connect with you on LinkedIn? Are you open to that or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always open to actually sharing information and anything that I know. One thing that I would suggest, though, is, hey, firstly, before reaching out, just like a Google, I mean, a LinkedIn search, for example, that flags mm. and filters roles in Vienna. I'm currently based in mm. Vienna. So filtering roles specifically in Vienna would be helpful. And also I am, I mean, I'm still in contact with the recruiter that actually helped me. So I'm happy to share his details as well. I can actually also really, if he agrees, just share his information on the show notes yeah. so everybody knows and get his details. But I think before anything, at this point in my life, I'm very conscious of, how much I'm able to take and kind of yeah. like comes with growth. My time is like very, very important. Yeah. Limited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess anyone listening to this, thinking of reaching out to you, they need to do their research, know they exactly what they're looking them. for, do filters on LinkedIn and perhaps maybe say, hey, I discovered this role yeah. that I think could be a great match for me. And it might be with a small organization that they've never even heard of. Then they can just verify against you maybe to yeah. say, does this company even exist? You know? Yeah, this is, yeah. I'm then, okay with this kind. Because yeah. I think coming and be like, how do I move abroad? It's very generic. And I get a lot yeah. of that to this day. How do I move abroad? Abroad is very generic. We have how yeah. many countries in the world? 190 yeah. something. Yeah. So you actually want to be very straight up. Hey, this is what I've done. And then mm. have like specific questions. And yeah. I think moving abroad is not one of them. Yeah. And uh, I also remember attending one of the Twitter spaces where... Yeah. 
you were featured as an expert featuring also other people from South Africa who are working abroad. So yeah. I think people who are just interested in just moving abroad, they yeah. could tap into those recordings and just yeah. hear from the feedback that you and under other individuals had to share. Yeah. So as you were talking about your career journey, yeah. I'm thinking, so I've got a young niece. Uh, she was mm -hmm. in matric in 2022. She'll mm -hmm. be kicking off first year of university studies this year. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people her age, uh, herself included, when they think about picking a school, you know, some of them are not like, I believe they're not even looking at world rankings anymore. They're mm -hmm. looking at biased information like, okay, what is according to maybe a lot of South Africans, yeah. if you say you go into this university, what is the vibe, you know? Mm -hmm. And you went to TUT. So for people yeah. who are listening to this and don't know what TUT is, is Tiny University of Technology. So it's a polytech university in Pretoria. And I know even growing up myself, I didn't even apply to TUT, no offense, yeah. you know, because at the time they had a lot of strikes and everything. So the reputation of the institution wasn't that great, you know, but it doesn't necessarily speak about the quality of education. Because if I think about one of my aunts who works for one of the top banks as a data scientist, she studied at TUT, yeah. you know. So I've yeah. got great examples like yourself, mm -hmm. her, and a few others that, you know, and everybody's coming from this institution. They're doing all these amazing work at these corporations. That means there must be something right that this institution is doing. Yeah. I mean, look at your list, brah. You went to <laughs> McKenzie, IBM. That is major. That is major, especially for someone outside of the finance industry. Because normally, you know, the McKenzie people that... I know would be uh, CAs, actuaries, you know, so yeah. to, to hear of a tech professional tapping into that world is truly, truly inspiring. So I'm going to bring you back home and say, hey, to someone now thinking of where to go to study, it could be any university locally or, or even abroad, mm. what should they focus on? Because that's where the journey starts, right? Yeah. Your career starts at uni, you know, mm -hmm. some might even say much earlier, but I would say your career starts at uni. Like the minute you stay day one, it has yeah. already begun. I know key culture. It was actually also a student society at the university. Mm. Yeah. But or even getting to student societies, let's talk about choice. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Because if you say you're from McKinsey, people are thinking she went to UCT, you know, yeah. University of Kids, Stellenbosch, University of Pretoria, or Vets. But yeah. no, you studied at T. So mm. How did that work? And once you got the job, how did you feel? The environment in the organization, did it matter where you studied? How did it affect your performance? Did they supplement your career journey with learning content? You know, I mean, we could even maybe take a step back because you said you joined IBM as a graduate. That's also a multinational company. Yeah. Uh, joining it as a graduate, how did you feel carrying this degree from TUT? Or did you just believe, I'm Kilani Ruth Valoi, I can do yeah. this, and you went for it? What yeah. advice do you have for kids today? Yeah, I mean, that's a loaded one. So I think my biggest advice is really just the knowledge that you deserve to be in any space that you, I preach this a lot, and I believe it, I'm very convicted that the minute you believe that you deserve to be in any space that you feel you want to be, 
that space is possible for you as well. And I think this is how I've kind of navigated my career, that I did not look at which degree or where I am. I looked at where I am. I always look at where I am at the point and ask myself is if I'm equipped enough to actually get into that space and everything. And I think it always works because the idea and the knowledge that I deserve to apply for was funny again, because with IBM, I did not apply. But because of my Girl Rising experience, I then started working with Intel and Intel was, okay, we are going to do a future, which kind of, I would say went a little viral because that weekend was just blowing up like crazy. And a lot was going on as soon as it came out and people at this point, I still don't understand what happened with that future in general, (laughs) because this is insane. And then I was having people reaching out at the time, Facebook was at heights and like that's where we were connecting. And my inbox was fully like now, I think the cap is like 5,000. I was like, just was just crazy like that. And what that did is that also it kind of just had some organization reaching out to wanting to work and recruit me or rather headhunting, like really that headhunting where you don't necessarily have to apply. It's so funny because I was moving from volunteering to this recruiter who's actually calling me and then they're like, hey, you really want to come work with our company. This is what it will offer mm-hmm. you and everything. That kind of yeah. really convincing in a way. Back to your question. TUT is a beautiful organization in terms of what it offers as far as tech is concerned. The reputation is not great. I don't know if it has improved over time. <laughs> attention, but no, I think it has improved. It has improved. Yeah. The work that the organization does as far as tech is concerned is something that I really, really embrace and appreciate. I've had few people that even though I was not necessarily working directly with, but I could tell that they're doing well within their spaces. So as far as doing well within tech, Sometimes it has nothing to do with the organization that you come from. Although the organization plays a role, tech space is a space that evolves, that everything that I did in school was more a preparation, but it was not something that I could use on a today base to actually yeah. do work. So I think the foundation is necessary, but also you can carry yourself from any space. I have an example with my sister, my, my little sister, who actually I plan to, to have one on the platform. Yeah. She self-taught developed data science. Wow. She's yeah. currently a, a junior data scientist within a company that she works for. And my sister did have a degree in biology, so Bachelor of Science majoring in biology. And mm-hmm. one day she came back and she was like, hey, I'm don't think I want to use this degree. I want to pivot into data science. How do I get to that space? And for her, it was, do I continue with with her degree? She would be able to have some sort of segue. I don't know how that would happen. She would be able to have that. So she was like, how do I actually segue and actually do it the right way? And somehow, Mm -hmm. thankfully, I have at least a bit of network and I managed to connect to the right people who were able to actually give advice on what exactly she needs within Mm -hmm. the data science space and she went and did your data camp courses and was insane and then now she literally is in the space and and she's working as a data scientist on a daily basis and doing really well so I think Mm -hmm. 
the idea of tech and the idea of learning and foundation and getting started is more mm. of a choice and really figuring out where exactly without actually thinking much yeah. of the idea of oh I'm not going to be employed because I come from this organization mm. if you are mm. able to come forward and show that you are able to do something I promise within the tech space they definitely will take you without looking at the organization that you come from yeah. in most cases they don't even look at the fact that you have a degree at all yeah. that conversation comes when they now have to do the admin work but yeah thing that you find a lot the thing that companies want a lot is what are you able to do and yeah. if you're able to do regardless of the organization that you come from regardless of where you are coming from you definitely will find yourself with any different space that you want to find yourself in again i think it going back and reiterating the idea that you can find yourself in any space that you think you deserve to find yourself in or that you think mm. you want to find yourself in because some people just look at some organization as that and they like hey that is too big for me I will not even yeah. try to get to that space without even attempting to see they self exclude themselves. Yeah. So yeah. I have never been that girl. Once I look at something and I think I want it, my life has just been okay. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I 100% agree mostly because my journey started off the traditional way. Yeah. And due to bumpy reasons along the way, I had to just wing it and make it work yeah. but we we'll talk about that some other time. Yeah. And as you were talking about your younger sister and how she got herself a biology degree and then decided actually interested in data science and is now working in data science, you know? What I got out of that is that you have to be self-driven. Yeah. You have to be self-driven and not limit yourself according to the degree or qualification that you have because people are living in boxes today and yeah. like you said uh, companies are looking for people who can apply their skills right mm -hmm. they're saying hey use whatever skill sets that you have as a tool but don't mm -hmm. let that limit you as to what it is you can do i found that to be really really powerful and thank you so much for sharing it i'm sure it will help quite a yeah. lot of people i hope so so back to she talks take right I really love this initiative that you've started, Lilani. Yeah. And one of the key attributes of the podcast you mentioned is that you would give an opportunity to everyone you feature on the show yeah. to write a letter to their ten-year-old self. Yeah. So I asked you to honor that uh, <laughs> yourself. Yeah. And and write a letter to the ten-year-old version of you. What it is that you want to say to her right now? Yeah, so I'm going to give you an opportunity first, maybe before you read out your letter. For me, I found it very interesting to that you specifically chose that age group 10, you know? Mm -hmm. Why 10-year-old? Why not 12-year-old, 13-year-old, or 5-year-old? Why 10? Yeah. What, what's so distinct about a 10-year-old? Yeah, generally, at least in my own experience, 10-year-olds are really trying to figure life out 
as the bridge between, yes, I'm a kid, but also there's an understanding of almost venturing into soon enough, there will be teenagers and then there will be adults. And there's a lot of curiosity in terms of adulthood than an age where kids are looking and they're like, yeah, there's an adult and I'm like a kid. It's very clear in that age. I might be different, but I had to sort of really grow up so fast based on my my experience. And I remember a lot of, I understood a lot of things as a 10-year-old. I understood, yeah, I understood my surrounding. And in terms of really trying to figure out and trying to understand what is going on, because of that confusion, 10-year-olds deserves to be looked at and, and just either be given a hug or really look with reflection on, hey, your confusion and everything that was happening around you, maybe it was not worth it, you know? And also maybe we can look at, we can look back and be like, hey, listen, I am doing well from that 10 year old, life is great. And then the thing is, I am having as many women that I already know that they are great women and Mm -hmm. perhaps they are very hard on themselves and looking at, Taking life really that young and that easy and looking at the very young, their younger self, maybe they'll be able to reflect and say, hey, listen, I'm doing well. And also for the listeners and everybody who is listening, maybe they will be able to reflect and because some of the listeners I, I think might be even younger, the younger versions that are trying to really moving from your teenage to early 20s and everything. Maybe they will be able to reflect with that younger version of the great women that they are listening to today. And then they will be able to say, hey, I can do this. I can grow from whatever. Look at where they came from and look at where they are now. So yeah, yeah, that is the idea. That's beautiful. So I'm going to give you an opportunity now for you to read us the letter that you wrote to your 10-year-old self. Okay. I don't know why I'm nervous when I have to read this, but hey, (laughs) it's so funny because I shouldn't, but I am. So I will read it. Dear Shilani, well, everyone calls you Ruth at this time. Firstly, receive all the embrace and hugs from me, your older self. You are so young and such a lovely child that your mom loves looking at you as a friend. There's quite a lot of changes happening around you. Three years ago, you lost your dad. Although very young, You know that you are not that close and also perhaps also still young to understand what's going on. You know that there's a lot going on and your dad is gone and the fact that you are not that close. But you have your mother, a hero. What a woman she is. See how she helped you navigate life that now even as an almost 31-year-old, she's kept up to the same thing. Never forget her when you're old. Your dreams are very simple at this time of your life, but somehow very futuristic. You dream of buying your mother everything she can't afford now while you are 10. You continue navigating life at this point, and somehow things just work out. And here you are now. I just wanna give you an update about what is happening to an almost 31-year-old Lani. She is doing really well. One thing that she never really dreamt of as a 10-year-old is to move to a different country, to live a different life, to find herself in the career that she's in, but she's here now. And I just wanna tell you that she's doing really well. Thank you. That was beautiful, Lani. 
And it reminded me that we used to call you Ruth. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I think when I met you, you said I'm Fulani. Yeah. And then I met someone else who, who wanted to tell me if I knew you. And they were like, do you know Ruth? I was like, no, I don't. And, and then they showed me a picture. I'm like, no, that's Fulani. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was beautiful and really sorry for your loss. I love how authentic you were and how you allowed yourself to be vulnerable. And I'm hoping that the guests who who get to be interviewed on your show honor that by allowing themselves to get to that space where they are vulnerable and talk to their inner 10-year-old self and yeah. to also maybe make peace with some of the traumas that shape us, right? Yes, we might want to celebrate where we are now, but it's the in-between that have really shaped us into who we are and the decisions that we had to take. So a big hug to baby Kilani <laughs> and to you. That is really, really That's beautiful. True. I have found myself having to hug my younger self a lot lately. And I don't know if it happens to everybody, but somehow when you grow, there's still this child, that this inner child that revisits in situations and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. So I would like us to wrap it up here. So it's not the end of the conversation, but I believe it serves as a beautiful introduction to She Talks Tech. You opened up your soul to us and really thankful for that. And we'll be tuning in and hoping to learn more, hoping to get to meet even more phenomenal women as you interview them and learn how we can navigate our careers as females in tech. So mm-hmm. all the best and really congratulations on taking this on. And yeah, I'll be Thanks. subscribing. Oh, yay. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to you, Level. I can't wait to sit down with you and actually switch tables <laughs> soon. <laughs> because I, before you discover a lot of people within South Africa, so you you discover Lebu as the woman in technology in South Africa, and then you discover a whole lot of other women, and then it becomes like a puzzle. So I generally cannot wait to have a sit down with you and have your story told and have other women look at you and look at what you've done and, and have them believe that they can do the same. They can steal like a page from your book and fly with it because I think there's a lot to learn there. And thank you so much for really extending yourself. I really appreciate this so much. It's a pleasure. And thank you, Shilani. So to close off, is there anything you want to say to anyone listening? Yeah. I mean, this is the beginning. Everybody at this point, I'm really navigating the space the mandate is clear. Sometimes the technicalities of it might not look as perfect and might not look the best, but I think I am calling upon everybody to welcome me with two hands and let's welcome also the women who are going to be in this platform to actually be in a position where we learn from them because I'm very certain that a lot of women who are going to come in here have really stories that some of them you've never heard of even when you know them. And this will be the first time you hear about. And I just want everybody to just be ready 
I look forward to being in your cars. I look forward to being in your living rooms. I look forward to being in your jogging, when you jog and whatever. However, I, I just need you to actually listen, however you prefer to listen. And subscribe to all the podcasting platforms, wherever you prefer. And let's rock. I love it. Let's rock. So thank you. And yeah, signing out. So once again, my name is Lebaha Madise. And I'm with the founder of She Talks Tech, introducing yes. She Talks Tech podcast by Silani Baloi. Yes. Thank you. Let's do it. Thank you, Lavo. Thank you for joining me in this episode of She Talks Tech. If you enjoyed our discussion and found it inspiring, I encourage you to follow and share the podcast. By doing so, you will never miss an episode and can help spread the empowering stories of women in technology and STEM. Let's work together to break barriers, shatter stereotypes, and build more inclusive and diverse future. Join the conversation, follow and share the She Talks Tech podcast. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to having you with me in the future. And for today's episode, thank you so much and shout out to Lebo. Thank you.